Now it's time for Letter to Hong Kong, which this week comes from Tony Tear, legislator representing the architectural, surveying, planning and landscape functional constituency. This programme is a personal view programme. Dear fellow citizens of Hong Kong, Hong Kong is undergoing the grimmest horrors since the handover. The communities behold widespread conflicts and violence, day in, day out. What is more, it saddens my heart to see that the rule of law and the stability being jeopardized. Society seriously divide, and the generation gap being further widened. These, coupled with the impacts of the China-U.S. trade war and the Brexit, the issuing of travel warnings against Hong Kong by various countries, the downgradings of credit ratings of Hong Kong, each and every business, and the lively hope of people of all levels are being seriously affected. These problems are in fact long-standing and deep-rooted and have arisen from the shortage of land and housing, the deceleration of growth of the economy, the soaring rent and price of private housing, the widening of wealth disparity, the limited opportunity for upward social mobility, plus aging population, mismatch of insufficient workforce, education, and youth issues. Unfortunately, they have not been properly dealt with over the past years, and thus had accumulated in much social discontent and the current outbreak. Liberate Hong Kong, the revolution of our times, were being advocated by some of the young and radical protesters would not be solutions to problems we are facing. Hong Kong does not need and cannot stand the consequence of revolutions. But majority of us agree that Hong Kong needs change. Change is also the main theme of proposal I submitted earlier to the government regarding the policy address. The chief executive, Mrs. Carrie Lam delivered her third policy address on the October 16th. The emphasis on adoption of unconventional approaches tailored with the need for change in my recommendations. It had also adopted many of my proposals on housing, land, transport, urban planning, including the construction of more transitional housing redevelopment of housing authorities' factory buildings, assisting first-time home buyers, streamlining the development approval process, speed up the building development of agricultural land and brownfield sites, developed new railway lines, extension of transport subsidies and exemption of various tunnel tolls, etc., Whilst the policy address had demonstrated the CE's strong determination to seek for change, some of the measures are, however, apparently ineffective, as it lacks a timetable for implementation. In addition, the policy address has not addressed matters about the government's organization structure and governance practice. One would wonder whether these initiatives and policy measures 
could eventually be implemented as wished. For example, I have always asked the government to be aggressive in building more transitional housing, so as to relieve the rental pressure of some grassroots families, as well as to improve their living conditions. Although the government proposes that 10,000 more transitional housing units would be provided in the coming three years, whether or not the target could be achieved seems to be reliant much on the initiative of the NGOs. Besides, to invoke the Land Resumption Ordinance to resume three types of private land for the construction of public housing, would depend heavily on the resolving the complicated problems of planning, transport, infrastructure, compensation, relocation of KREs and the operators of brownfield sites. Otherwise, the building of housing cannot be implemented in the short and medium term. The policy address pledges to review the usage of more than 300 government instilled community sites and the possibility of developing them on a multiple use on single sites and mixed development principle. While this is also in line with one of my proposals in the past years, regrettably, a timetable is missing for the review and there is no elaboration on how to overcome the preference thought in the major phenomenons of the wasteful occupation of land by different policy bureaus and departments. Regarding the proposal to raise the cap on the value of the properties under the mortgage insurance program of the HKMC Insurance Limited to assist first-time home buyers who have the ability to make monthly payments but cannot afford the huge down payment upfront. Some people doubted if the government want to push up the market again, while overlooking the fact that in the past year, such changes had only slightly offset the increase in property prices. I therefore once again urge the government to consider providing full or partial mortgage premium assistance to first-time home buyers who have successfully passed the stress test. The policy address suggests to study the provision of cash allowance for low-income households, which is de facto the regularization of rent allowance provided to end nothings, previously dispersed under the Community Care Fund. However, no extra support of any kind has been mentioned for those end nothing middle class who do not own any properties without any benefits of housing or social welfare, while at the same time facing the enormous pressure in paying their rent check. Finally, in order to implement those changes effectively, the top priority would be ending the violence and reinstate the rule of law as well as the stability and prosperity of the society. The community looks eagerly to the government to show us the way forward out of the current turmoil. It is disappointing that no new solutions have been provided in the policy addressed. I hope the SAR governments could display 
unconventional thinking, teen spirit, and execution capability in combating violence instead of just relying on only one or two officials, a few bureaus and departments, and only one disciplinary force to tackle the problem. Yours faithfully, Tony. You've been listening to this weekend's letter to Hong Kong from Tony Tear, legislator representing.